Welcome back, everyone. It's Thursday, August 11th, 2022, and I haven't been rated yet. Dwayne Generalissimo Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, Master of the Universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. The troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt listeners. Have you been rated? Has the universe been rated yet? Uh, I have not been rated yet. The universe has not been rated yet. And if uh, we do get rated, I think I'm going to employ the Robert Francis O'Rourke um, uh, <laughs> uh, grading. I think is what I'll do when, when the FBI rates. I, I think I'm going to go full Robert Francis O'Rourke. Yeah, that's uh, we're going to get to that in a moment. But uh, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about this right now because this is sort of the the the, the latest and the feel, greatest the feel good the feel good story of the day the feel good story of the day. Um, I don't I, I don't think you've had a chance to get the uh, the uh, the video on this, so I'm not going to ask you to play it. But Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke running for governor of Texas was someplace. It was some sort of some sort of small event, right? I mean, this there was like. There couldn't have been more than sixty people in this room, right? That we yeah, were just yeah, just just like a stump speech, basically. And and you know, a lot of people holding up Beto signs. So this is probably Austin. <laughs> probably in Austin. And, probably in Austin. And of course, you know, you know, I refuse to call a grown man Beto or Beto or whatever else. You know, he's he's Robert Francis O'Rourke. Beto is is Spanish for mf -er. uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that's 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 how that's loosely translated. So. He's in the middle of this thing about Uvalde, right? And I know he's going to run on this, and he's running on gun control of Texas, which is, you know, amusing as it is anyway. Is, is he going to use Is he going to use uh, uh, Eric Adams' New York, Brooklyn um, door knockers? To, Absolutely. To, to, to campaign on the gun control issue? Absolutely. You know that that's exactly what's going to happen. Eric okay. Adams has probably already called Beto to, uh, to talk about this. But at any rate, he's talking about this and saying, you know, it's, he went in there and he was able to, he, he could have bought more than one AR-15. It's a weapon of war. It's designed, it was designed to kill, to shoot through helmets in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, it makes a string of, um, uh, you know, unsupported statements about the AR-15 and then apparently kneels down to demonstrate his combat tactics, <laughs> at which point in this video, somebody laughs aloud. Now, I got to say, that was pretty freaking funny, and I think I would have laughed aloud at that too. You know, it's designed to go through a helmet of, uh, you know, the VC, you know, at uh, 500 yards. <laughs> yeah, not this rifle, <laughs> but at any rate, he gets up and he's offended. Twain, Beto O'Rourke is offended, saying, "You might think this is funny, mother freaker." <laughs> um. I don't know. That's that. That seems a little R-rated, even for even for a, a non-FCC podcast in the Salem universe. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just refer you back to my post about this, and maybe to Dwayne's after show, but uh, <laughs> or this will feature heavily tonight. <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern time, by the way. Universe.com is where you got to go for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know about you, maternal fornicator. <laughs> It sounds um, like something Richard Nixon would say. <laughs> it sounds like something Richard Nixon would say. Uh, no, so so, look, you know. I mean, that's funny. That, that's funny. I would have laughed in, out loud at that in there because, first off, all of his arguments are basically incorrect on this thing anyway. But the whole thing, he's kneeling down to to apparently, I mean, it's a little off. He's just a bit off camera, but it looks like he's kneeling down to simulate a rifle shot. <laughs> Where'd you learn that, pal? <laughs> 
Did yeah. You, did you, you know, watch? Uh, did you did you watch Officer and a Gentleman? Is that how you picked up on that? <laughs> exactly. Um, so no, look. The, the thing about O'Rourke is, ever since he's been on the stage, whether it's a national stage for like you know four nanoseconds, or on a uh, on, on on the state uh, stage, he is nothing but a grandstander. I mean, from I mean. Just a couple of months ago, he showed up at some event, and um, there was somebody that was a placeholder for him at a at, at, at in the Uvalde uh, initial um, press release with Governor Abbott, right? You know, right. Uh, or, or a press conference with Governor Abbott. There was a, you know, he he came to visit to let people cry on the shoulders. It was a consoling thing. This was right. really raw. And there was a placeholder that came and sat in the front row. And right before the thing starts, all of a sudden, the placeholder gets out of the way and in walks uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke. With the cameraman. With the cameraman, sits down in the front row. I mean, there, there's he, he does not get out of bed in the morning unless it is scripted and, 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 and shot suitable with, with the appropriate lighting for, for a YouTube video. Um, there, there, there's nothing he does that I take seriously because everything is emotive with him. Everything is, everything is, is, uh, is performance art with him. Well, just to run down, I mean, I run down the arguments here. The AR-15 was not designed for combat in Vietnam. The AR-15 actually was designed well before we were involved in Vietnam. The military version of the AR-15, of which there was one, the, yeah, you know, Colt, pretty, Colt was trying. Colt was trying to sell it to the military. They redesigned it though when the military decided to go with the M16. And this is actually really mostly before our our significant military involvement in Vietnam too. And what we have on sale here is the non-military version of a a military rifle that the Pentagon decided was not uh, was not as good as the M16 was. And that decision, I believe, came in 1964. Um, and again, that's before we really started getting heavily involved militarily in Vietnam. So the idea that this was this, this was a weapon that that the AR-15s you buy right now were designed to take out Charlie at 500 yards <laughs> by going through by going through a helmet is I, I think we can say bullshit, right? I think we can say bullshit. We can just call it bullshit. It's what it is. It's bullshit. It, it is. You know, what was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? You know, yeah, for, he's rolling. Forget it. Forget it. He, he's rolling, you know. Um, it, it, look, he's he's not serious with the facts. He's not serious about the argument. It's all heartstrings. It's all emotive, and everything is everything is performance art with the guy. Uh, I I don't take him seriously. I don't think Texas voters take him seriously. Uh, Greg Abbott is going to win that election by double digits. Um, double digits. Uh, yeah, I you know, and and here's the thing. There are a lot of people who are wrong about the AR-15. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that floats around about the AR-15 that's just incorrect. But, and that's almost neither here nor there now. It's just, it's just a fact of life. But the idea that after somebody giggled at this little display of his, he jumps up and attacks them. This is, this is a friendly room, by the way. It's not a crowd. I wouldn't call it a crowd, but it's a friendly room. This is apparently either fundraisers or campaign workers. It's Everybody in there is carrying a Beto sign. And of course, when he calls this guy an MF or everybody cheers. I, I but... actually have I actually have the video. Oh I mean, yeah, well we, we, go ahead we, and play we've it. Already, 
we we've already we well you gotta you gotta let me do my uh, I, I'm way ahead of you it's it's done it, it's already done okay well I produce uh, this show pal <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we've got to do all the obligatory warnings do we not because yeah uh, not safe for like not safe for work language but I think we've already blown past that. <laughs> I, I think we've, we you know that that ship has already sailed but you know we we might as well at least give the warning. Here is Robert Francis O'Rourke uh, blowing a head gasket. Um, pretty much, my guess would be on cue. My guess is um, he was he was instructed or he was advised if there was any blowback to get righteously indignant because that's that's how you're going to win people over. I, I'm actually Here's, I uh, actually disagree with you, but we'll talk about that after you play. Go ahead and play the video, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you why. Here he is. I'm going to make sure that. Now 11 weeks since we lost 19 kids and their two teachers shot to death with a weapon originally designed for use in combat, legally purchased by an 18 year old who did not try to obtain one when he was 16 or 17, but followed the law that's on the books, ladies and gentlemen, that says that you can buy not one, you could buy two or more if you want to, AR-15s hundreds of rounds of ammunition and take that weapon that was originally designed for use on the battlefields in Vietnam to penetrate an enemy soldier's helmet at 500 feet and knock him down dead up against kids at five feet. It may be funny to you, motherfucker, but it's not funny to me, okay? that he thought he was going to get laughed at. I, I actually, I think that this is the honest reaction of a patrician who isn't really all that happy with the plebes, who doesn't have a lot of love for the plebes and doesn't like getting laughed at by the plebes. That to me is Robert Francis O'Rourke right there, uh, rather than Beto. Um, uh, feeling, feeling as though, um, uh, they are not being sufficiently, uh, they're not being sufficiently, um, what's the word, worshipful. <laughs> you, think that's a, you think that's the first time he's been laughed at on the campaign trail? Directly? Directly? Yeah. In, in what's supposed to be a friendly room? I, I don't in, know, in, possibly. In, in, in any setting. I bet, I bet he has been ridiculed endlessly. Oh, he endlessly. has been ridiculed endlessly, but I don't know if it's been in a friendly crowd. He's been ridiculed on stage in debates, and he gets chippy about that, too. I mean, not that anybody really takes that very well, but um, but yeah, I mean, this this to me is an, a political instinct issue. His first political instinct is to is to call somebody a name rather than engage, and that's, I mean, Joe Biden got to be president that way, I guess. His but first, his first <laughs> political instinct is how to make the story about him. Yes. And yes. And and and, and that's what he did there with. With the with the Greg Abbott um, uh, event in in the days following, where he crashed that event and decided to try to get in Greg Abbott's face and point at him and jeer at him, that wasn't there to console the fans. No, 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 no. That was very much planned. I, I completely agree with you on that. That was very much a planned deal. Right. What, this I what, think is this I think is more revealing. It was okay. I, I can grant you it was revealing. What I'm saying is, is this is not the first time he's done that. My guess is 
any opposition. You could see in the room how many cameras were on, how many people were, were iPhoning this. He knew how many people were doing this. And as soon as he did that, I'm sure the first, the first impulse in his brain is how can I turn this into a viral moment? Yeah. Well, he did. And he did. Um, I don't think it's going to benefit him, especially not in Texas. No. <laughs> I mean, it if he's running in Massachusetts, maybe maybe this would work. But um, Texas? It, <laughs> it, uh, it, won't, uh, it won't do any more for him in Texas than having the 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 jets or the sharks campaigning for him on on on, on you know <laughs> I, I door knocking I don't, I don't think that's going to do him any good yeah 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 exactly all right um well that was the fun story this morning the not so fun story is uh inflation producer price index came out today um the ppi inflation rate dropped one and a half points from 11.3 percent in june to 9.8 percent in july the um the actual um the actual month on month uh, went down went negative that's, minus zero point five percent that's the most positive you know it's a negative number but it's it's the most positive sign uh, that we have seen since what May of May or June of last year right well it would be except that as the report explains eighty percent of that decline was gas prices. And Dwayne, you and I talked about this last night on the Universe. Right. You'll probably talk about it more tonight on the Universe. But we saw this in the CPI report as well, which is that once you take energy out, once you take gas prices specifically out, everything is still going up. Um, and that's also the case here. If you take a look at the details in the report, everything's still going up in the PPI. Um, food prices especially are going up in PPI. There is one thing that is going down, though in July, which is consumption. If you take a look at the consumption numbers, because there are personal consumption numbers in the PPI, most of them are negative, which indicates, which, which indicates, especially the ones where energy is included, which indicates that the gas price, it's another piece of evidence, I should say, that the gas price drop is a drop in demand. And a drop in energy demand is a signal of what, Dwayne Patterson? <laughs> Well, you see, what if we had two consecutive quarters of? Uh, we've had two consecutive quarters of, of contraction. And now, while now, and while now, and while I will while I will put a caveat on that first quarter. Understand. But the second quarter actually contracted harder than the top line number uh, represented, Correct. and it but looks we, like it's still contracting. Have, even even though there's an asterisk uh, on that first one, we've had we've had six months of negative GDP growth, right? I mean, we, we just factually have. Right. Now, you you tack on to that robust six months worth of negative GDP, uh, GDP growth, and now you've got a sharp decrease in demand. Again, this is not, this is not a, we finally have fixed the supply chain issue. We have now flooded the market Everything's back on the shelves. There's baby formula everywhere you look. Everything is everything is now exactly what you want. So we have increased supply nationwide on all goods and services. We're back to pre-pandemic levels of 
of supply chain. Therefore, that increased supply in your old high school economics, you know, supply demand curve. Yep. You 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 increase that supply curve. That's going to lower the that's going to lower the the average mean price of everything. And that's how you lower prices. That's not what's happening here. You still can't find baby formula. You still there are still some you know, the, the the systemic problems. Uh, that caused from putting a kink in the, in the supply chain hose from the, from the lockdown, that's all still there. The only thing that's different is people have decided, holy Christ, I can't afford anything. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to, I'm going to hunker down. I'm not going to eat out as much. I'm going to eat at home. I'm going to start popping open the emergency, uh, you know, canned goods on in, in the, in the pantry, right. I'm not going to go to a movie. I can't. I can't afford any of the fun stuff anymore. Now, the first part of the summer, June and July, and you know, you you could you could say that there was everybody was doing the hell with it. I've got to do this. I've got to get out of the house after a year and a half of lockdown. After all the uh, craziness that we went through during the 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 full weight of the pandemic, right. People, um, a lot of pent up demand. There was a lot of pent up demand because people decided come hell or high water. I'm going to go on this vacation. I didn't get to go on a vacation last year or the year before I was stuck at home. So screw it. I don't care what things cost. I'm going to Disney world. I'm going here. I'm going there. And all of a sudden when June and July came, there was an explosion. There was a reason why, uh, airline prices went through the freaking roof in june and july and that's because every seat on every plane going anywhere somebody or five people were were clamoring for that seat because they wanted to finally get back to normal because it was abnormal for two years well not only that but but this in summer is also a big time for vacation so there was an expectation that there was going to be a massive economic um there's going to be a massive economic activity this summer particularly because of the pent up demand from right. two lo- from the lockdown summer of 2020 and the and the quasi lockdown summer of 2021 so all that all that jacked up demand which is what jacked up uh you know demand for fuel demand for everything else that's part of the reason why everything kept spiking all the way up uh through uh mid june to mid june mid june right into into june so now all of a sudden you have everybody that's gone on that trip and they're like, okay, well, I'm kind of glad I did that. I'm never going to be able to afford to go anywhere again. I actually think the the problem is, is a lot of people decided that they couldn't afford it this year, and that's the reason why you're seeing the the this the significant drop, like 23 percent drop over the last uh, six or seven weeks in gas prices. Is that all of that? You know, you got to remember too that gas station owners set the price based on what they expect demand to be, right? And it's, you know, it's based in part on their own cost. It's really about the what it's going to cost them to refill their tanks after they sell what they've got in inventory right. right now. So these prices were ramping up in anticipation of all the things that you just mentioned, Dwayne. And then I think the demand never actually materialized. I don't think people went out on the road. I don't think that people went into the hotels. I don't think that there was a lot of consumption going on this summer, vacation or otherwise. And we were seeing polling about this. Um, as early as April, I believe, oh, I, saying I, that people people were people were starting to get concerned and starting to scale back their their vacation plans this year I because can of tell inflation. You, I can tell you, I can tell you that there was a reason why there was such a a, a, 
uh, craziness when it came to airline flights and lack of flight crews and lack of pilots. And, and well, the lack and, of pilots is a real significant problem. It, yeah. it is, but I'm telling you, every seat on every there was no such thing as a as a half full flight at any time of day. At every, I mean, the airline industry was through the, the roof, and it those prices started to come down as people finally went on whatever trip they were going to go. They may have scaled it back, but they still went. Now that that's over with, and now you've got the, you know, the hangover from the vacation and people are like, I can't afford to do anything anymore. And they're tightening the belts because you have to, when inflation's in double digits, you have to tighten the belts. So everybody's doing that now. Now what you have is, uh, as you said, a what a twenty three percent drop in in demand, right? Yeah, but Something- since mid June, I mean that's the time that people start going on vacation is right. mid June, and the price has been dropping. Uh, it, it peaked in mid June. Uh, I think the EIA average was five dollars, five ten, five ten, five eleven. Yeah, yeah, five 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 point one zero seven dollars. Okay, so okay. That, that was that was the peak. And then it dropped. It's, it's been dropping ever since. And and the drop is not related to a supply increase. In fact, supplies are expected to decrease over the next couple of months. And gas station owners are still marking down the gasoline. We, we, we are not we are not refining any more gas than we did. We are at 93. I, I checked this today. The EIA's report, I think it came out late yesterday, said that refining capacity is still at 93% and is not expected to increase. That's right. that's it's, about, that's about max. Static. There, 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 there is a there is and, a static amount of gas that's being refined, and, regardless of how much oil is being produced. Right, and we're at low inventory levels because they can't refine. You know, they're, they're not refining quickly enough. Right. Um, so you don't have a glut of supply that's that is lowering the price. So if your supply is constant and your price is rapidly decreasing, what's going on, Dwayne? Um, basic you economics have, you have you have a, a, a cratering of demand and when you have a cratering in demand how does that reflect in a GDP if it's, you have crater- it's it's a recession it's 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 a recession uh it's either here or it's coming and you can see this in the PPI too if you go through the, the like I said earlier if you go through the consumption numbers because there are consumption numbers in the PPI uh, the consumption numbers are all flipping over to negative except for food. So what does that tell you? It tells you that people, whatever real disposable personal income that they still have left, that's been declining over five quarters. It's for the essentials. They are not going to spend it anywhere else. People are going to focus their attention on the essentials and not spend money anywhere else. And that is, um, you know, that that is, that is not healthy. That is not a healthy economy. So, um, I, I am looking forward. I actually not sure that the white house is even going to respond to the PPI. I think that they kind of, they, they might want to just leave that alone <laughs> after their zero inflation nonsense yesterday. Even Larry Summers called out the zero inflation nonsense yesterday. Right, right. So so let's say hypothetically we now have this this uh, th- this demand uh, cratering that's going on. Uh, how how does the when's when's the next time the Fed meets? Another what three weeks, something like that? I think it's in September. Uh, I think they took August off. And right. I, I I think it was six weeks from the last time till the next one. So it's right. Like six weeks or two. Week of, it might even be two months. It might have been because it was early July. It might be early September. So it might be two full months. 
So we think we will probably get one more uh, round of CPI, PPI numbers before the Fed would act, right? Yeah, it's going to be pretty close I, because it's the second week of September. But yeah, I think it's going to be pretty close. So the Fed is almost uh, locked into jacking them up again. It may not be a full three quarters again, but they're they're going to do they're going to do another bump on top of that. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, you take a look at I mean the the core inflation rate in the CPI was still five point nine percent yesterday. You so the PCE index is another three quarters. Yeah, at least. Okay. I mean, I, I don't so, think they'll do. I don't think they'll do a a, a a full, you know, 100 basis point thing, a full percentage point. But they're going to do the 75 basis point so if increase. They, so if they do, if they do another three quarters, and we have, you know, a, a similar a similar demand track for the last uh, couple of months, we're going to have we're going to be literally knocking on the door of the midterm elections. <clears throat> and we will have uh, we will have just had the report of three consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Yeah. So the Democratic Party is going to be running. They're going now. I know what they're going to try to run. Yeah. They're going to try to run on Donald Trump. That's well, that's not going to work out too well for them either, because this is a, this is going to be our final topic is the Trafalgar poll. But you, you go on, I, finish that I, thought. No, I know. I, I, I and I'm leading you right into it. I know uh, they're going to try and run on Donald Trump. They're uh, they're trying to make all things about Trump. If if uh, if there's anything that they can politically use to their advantage from this botched raid in, in Mar-a-Lago, it's that, well, the bright side is. Uh, Trump's now put himself back in the in, in the news again. He's he's now back at center stage. If we run against Trump and we make Trump the boogeyman and everything, we cannot. We we don't have to talk about inflation. We don't have to talk about crime. We don't have to talk about education. We don't have to talk about the border. We don't have to talk about all the problems that are that are going on in the country. Gas prices. We don't have to talk about that. We can just talk about how how rotten of an sob Donald Trump is. Except that's not what people are going to be talking about. No, it's not. No, and it's not. Trafalgar just came out with a very interesting poll, and I mean, this is as fresh as this is as fresh as uh, as as last night's fillet that cost you, you know, about eighty five bucks. Um, this this poll had a specific question in there that was taken since the raid. Yep, and. And and the question was, how much more likely are you? What's what's your motivation factor to vote now versus before the raid? And and the findings are kind of interesting, aren't they? They are interesting. It's actually the the enthusiasm for voting in the midterms went up among all three political demos, right? Republicans, Democrats, and Independents, but not equally. <laughs> No. Not equally. 53% of Democrats say that they are more um, motivated to, um, they, they've experienced increased motivation. I'll just try to, try to be as close to the description um, from Trafalgar as possible. And um, that is the low <laughs> because among independents, the number is, I'm just scrolling down on my post here, um, 50, um, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on. I'm looking at the wrong set of numbers here. Um, let me get back up to the correct set of numbers. I apologize. 72% um, of, of independents are more motivated. 
83% of Republicans are more motivated. Now, you might ask yourself, well, what about the independents? What's, what's motivating the independents, Dwayne, in, in Trafalgar? Well, you can, they don't drill down through asking the question. However, there's another question that's part of this, right? And the other question that's part of this poll is, who do you believe is behind the FBI raid on President, Trump, President Trump's private home? And you've got two choices, Trump's political enemies or to the impartial justice system. Now, overall, <laughs> um, Trump's political enemies, uh, you know, 8% more Americans believe it's based on Trump's political enemies than the impartial justice system. That's 48 to 40, basically. Um, however, <laughs> among Democrats, 70, 71% think it's the impartial justice system. Uh, 12% think it's Trump's political enemies, and about 18% don't know. Um, Republicans, 76.7% .7 of them think it's Trump's political enemies. Unaffiliated voters, 53.9% of them think it was um, done by Trump's political enemies. Only 35% of those think that it was the impartial justice system. You see, here's the thing that the, that the bubble in D.C. and, and Manhattan miss. Uh, Paul Begala was on CNN, and uh, you know he was saying, ah, this, this only pisses off uh, Trump's base. And I don't care if Trump's base gets pissed off because they're always pissed off. They're pissed off at sunrise. They're pissed off at sunset. They're pissed off at Christmas. They're pissed off all the time. Who cares? They're not a majority. They're not going to be the movers or shakers here. He's totally missing who saw this raid and really took offense to it and yep. are motivated to do something about it. And here's why. Independence. What makes independence independence? What's they they have they, they don't have, like either party. <laughs> it's usually like, what it is. They don't like either party, so they just don't. But, but, their, but their attitude, everything is a fairness issue with them, right? To yeah. independence, they see things as well. Both parties do this. Both parties are this. They they don't like to play favorites. They like to they like to kind of kind of try to keep that 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 balance of you know i don't want to favor one side or the other but they but they 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 like to kind of look at the world through a through a, a balanced uh, uh, scale or a balanced lens and when this something like this happens it's so obvious it's so i mean this has never right. been done before um trump could turn over this warrant all day long but I'm not even sure he still has, you know. The, Nobody the knows if he's even been given access to it. I mean, the reporting yesterday was that they they refused to to uh, leave a copy of it, which is unusual. And I saw reporting this morning that uh, that Trump's legal team are are uh, writing up a motion today to ask for a physical hard copy of the of the affidavit and the warrant because they don't have it. Right. Right. So. Independents are looking at this going, well, I may not like Trump, but this ain't right. Yeah, this stinks. They're saying this, this stinks. stinks. This, this stinks. stinks. Yes. And I think even within the Republican coalition, there are probably people who say, well, I don't like Trump, but this stinks. And and right. here's, here's uh, we can talk a little bit about Matt, what Matt Taby had to say too, but but honestly, this is something that I had been thinking about um, uh, in terms of this, which is that this is actually going to backfire on Democrats because it's going to remind Republicans that that they've got bigger fish to fry than their own internal divisions 
And this is going to be a unifying, uh, a clarifying event, I guess, that you can say, at least in the midterms, at least for a short term, saying, yeah, you know, we can fight about this after the midterms. But right, right now, we really need to get these guys out of there so that we can get some, we can get some checks and balances on what's going on in Washington, D.C. And I think independents are going to start leaning that way, too. And I think it's really going to upset the table in terms of midterm turnout modeling for pollsters. And it, it probably, it, which was probably off already anyway, but I think that this makes it a whole lot more dicey. And if there was any complacency on the on on the right over the red wave, and well, you know, I don't need to do a lot of work because Joe Biden's really doing all of our work for us. I think that's out the window, and now people are not just uh, unhappy with Joe Biden, but they're actively angry and they want to actively get involved. I yes. mean, that those numbers from Trafalgar are. <laughs> Those pretty are pretty stunning, spectacular. They? Yeah, they're and, pretty spectacular. And, and and again, you know, you, you marry those with um, what what the turnout models were. I'm, I'm trying to remember which which poll it was, but there was a the two primaries this week, the one in uh, Wisconsin and the one in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, the the energy. If you look at at the the last uh, comparable, which is the 2018 midterms. Um, in both states, in Wisconsin and in in Minnesota, the Republican turnout in the 22 primary this week versus the 2018 primary, the GOP was up like 23, 24 percent, something like that. Yep. And the Democratic turnout was down. It was off six percent or eight percent or something like that. Um, I, look, I'm not saying the Republicans are going to are going to win Minnesota. You know, that's 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 you know. We, we've been we've been chasing that. Yeah, we, we, I'll, I'll been, predict we, the first. I'll predict that the, after the first time it happened since two thousand six. <laughs> we've 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 been chasing that white whale ever since ever since the book got written, right? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but what I'm what I'm telling you is, you know, for all this talk from the left, all this happy talk, whistling past the graveyard about ah oh, the wave, the wave's going to be it, it, it it's going to be like a little two inch tsunami. It's going to be nothing. We had all these tsunami warnings. It's going to be nothing. If we, we it, it, it's ebbed. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, I, I'm, I'm not buying it yet. I'm not buying it at all. Parents are still pissed at what happened to their kids yep. during the pandemic and what schools are doing now. They're pissed about dudes um, swimming in the pools with the girls and, and, and changing the locker room with the girls. They're pissed at what's going on on the border. They're pissed that there's homeless people sleeping everywhere now. They're pissed at uh, rampant crime going everywhere, and 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 uh, this this is just icing on the cake. They're looking at this going, oh for Christ's sake! Now now we've turned into Cuba. Yeah, yep. And that's Taby's point too, which I link in the post. I won't belabor it, but basically, um, you know, Taby, who's a guy on the left, by the way, but he's just an interesting read and right. is, is an intellectually honest guy on the left. There are plenty of those. I mean, I could I could point out at least a few other people who might be interesting reads in that sense. But um, I, I'll just read this here. And we, I, we, we talked a little bit about it last night and then we'll wrap up and find out what's going on in uh, the Hugh Hewitt show tomorrow. But it says, as of now, it's impossible to say if Trump's alleged defense was great, small or in between. But this for sure is a huge story. And its hugeness extends in multiple directions, including the extraordinary political risk inherent in the decision to execute the raid. If it backfires, if underlying this, this action there isn't a very substantial there there, the Biden administration just took the world's most reputable police force and turned it into the American version of the Tonton Makut on national television. 
We may be looking at simultaneously the dumbest and the most inadvertently destructive political gambit in recent history of this country. Yeah. And again, you know, dumbest for sure. Dumbest for sure. And again, that's that that is that is a very telling statement, especially when the whole Russiagate debacle and the Steele dossier is oh, not that long which is, ago. Which is a major part of his argument which is that the, the Democrats are offering all the same nonsensical defenses of this as they did with the Steele right. dossier. Well, oh, you they know, they got a FISA warrant, so that must mean they had something. <laughs> right. Now, they, they, they wouldn't have taken these these steps unless they really had something. Right, yeah. I, he, oh, it's, uh, we, this we is a really good essay. Before. This is yeah. a really good essay. And, you know, it's a, again, it's a subscription again, model, so I didn't want to excerpt too much of it. I want people to go over there and subscribe. But again, if written from but... somebody, again, written from somebody on the left. Yeah. And you know who else has joined him uh, saying that maybe this was a bridge too far? Andrew Yang. Andrew Cuomo. Well, yeah, don't mention it. You know, Ixnay and the Cuomo thing. <laughs> Yang, I'll take. Cuomo is like, nah, 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 nah. stay away from the Cuomos. <laughs> I understand, but I, I was reading that going, wait a minute. What, I, when was the last time I agreed with Cuomo? I, I, I really, honest to God, don't don't want people to force me to be on the same side of anything as Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> if he says good morning, I want to still be, I want to still feel free to look out the window just to confirm, you know? I, yes. it's, it's, yeah, uh... I, I, I get it. I understand. <laughs> All right. Speaking of looking out the window and good mornings, how's that for a segue? What's coming up on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt show, Dwayne? Uh, well, uh, which it's actually going to be a very fascinating uh, interview. We we just finished taping it uh, uh, just a few minutes ago or an hour ago. Um, Elliot Ackerman, who is a writer over at The Atlantic, and uh, he's most notably uh, remembered as the co-author of 2034, which is the uh, novel about the coming U.S.-China war that he co-wrote with Admiral James Stavridis. Uh, very, very gifted writer, a military background, um, really good guy. He's also really good friends with John Androsik and yep. um, has just written a new book that is just spectacular called The Fifth Act, which is the definitive look at the whole debacle of the abandonment of Afghanistan by the Biden administration. And uh, we taped about 35, 40 minutes with him. It's gonna play back tomorrow uh, in the middle hour of the show. We'll also have Sunny Bunch. We'll do the, the Hillsdale Hour with Larry Arn, all that kind of normal stuff. But uh, this book by by Elliot Ackerman is, is a spectacular read. Um, if you wanna kind of get your blood boiling again and, and remember why you were so upset at what Biden was doing and, and, and you know, and why um, this, this captures, this captures everything that led up to the capitulation and ultimate surrender of uh, Joe Biden to the Taliban in, in Afghanistan. That's, that's, that's what they had tomorrow. All right. Well, that's coming up tomorrow at 6 a.m. Eastern time, 5 a.m. in God's time zone, 3 a.m. on the left coast. And you can watch it, live on the Huniverse, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com, the troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. And by the way, you can watch uh, Dwayne's after show tonight. Dwayne, you're going to be doing the, uh, the the video rundown, right? I mean, that's... Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's going to be stuff going on today. 
All right, so lots of stuff coming up 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight for that, by the way, 7 p.m. in God's time zone, 5, 5 p.m. You know, on the left coast. You guys can do the math. I just like doing it myself. Um, and if you don't subscribe to the universe, well... I don't know why, but if you don't subscribe to the universe, you can find the Hugh Hewitt Show on the AM radio dial. Dwayne, what should people do if they can't find the Hugh Hewitt Show on the AM radio dial? Well, you go into the general manager's office of a radio station we should be on, and you sit down and you look that general manager right in the eye and say, well, you know, I have this, uh, I have this buddy that's, uh, that's in Quantico, and... Uh, I could I could drop a little I could drop a little dime and 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 say where we can find some very special documents in your in your wife's uh, undie drawer and um, and and where you keep your safe and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens we'll see what happens because because we know we know that you have spoken favorably about Donald Trump before well there we'll you be go that, that would we'll do be it. on that We'll be on that station in, in, in five minutes. That would do it. The other thing that I might suggest is you send Beto O'Rourke in there too as, as your as your sales pitch guy. <laughs> because clearly the guy's got great sales instincts. It, Beto O'Rourke. Absolutely right. You what, What's that? You don't want to pay our spot rate? Well, you MFR. Yeah, screw you MFR. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, Dwayne, Jenilismo Patterson. Of the Hugh Hewitt Show, master of the universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. Thanks for another fun week of uh, of doing this podcast, and we'll see you back here next week, sir. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, guys. All right. Stay tuned for one last message from the Ed Morsey Show coming right up. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support the Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.